Welcome back to your favorite podcast, The Golden Crown Podcast, where each week we bring you a dash of Hallmark movie magic. You have your hosts for season six, myself, Sally, joined by a very, 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 very special guest. Why would you say that? So so many varies. Nick. You couldn't just say your name? Yeah. Why would I? As we've been starting off the episodes in season six, we are going to jump right into the segment of life's recipes. In this segment, we're just going to share a tip for a better life, just ways to make life go a little bit easier. My advice is time management. I feel like it's very important to make sure that you manage your day the best you can. Make sure you're on time places or even early. On time is late in my book, so try your best with that. For the life recipes for this episode, my recommendation is deleting the phrase should from your vocabulary. Commonly with I should statements. Those just, just get rid of them. The only thing you should be doing is what you're doing right now. You're killing it, queen. Live your life. You're doing the best you can with the resources you got. That's all I have to say. (laughs) So our next segment for season six is key ingredients. During this segment, we're going to walk through all those ingredients that mom and I noted were key for baking. But before we do that, we definitely have to get started by letting you know what our movie was. So this week... We watched another Love You, Ari 2023 lineup movie titled Welcome to Valentine. Our leading lady, Olivia, was starred by Katherine Davis. And our leading man, George, was starred by Markian Teresiak. We'll start by going into Hallmark's synopsis before we start filling out those pieces. So Hallmark says, after losing her apartment, and her job right before Valentine's Day, Olivia is introduced to George, who takes her on a cross-country road trip that has them reevaluating life's priorities. That's actually a pretty good start. I It would be if they actually showed the road trip. Oh, goodness. Let's not jump ahead too much. We'll start, of course, by going through those key elements. So Nick actually has the first. So our first ingredient is flour, with all things baking and a lot of cooking as well. Flour is very important. Um, Flour is what we're determining as like a personality that we get from them, from the two characters. For, let's go with Olivia first. You kind of get it right off the beginning of the movie, pretty much as soon as you're introduced to her. She seems just very stressed out. It just pans in on her like fast walking down the street just saying today's going to be a good day today's going to be a good day she's constantly talking to herself she just seems very stressed out she's always on the run she finally gets back to her apartment and then her roommate says all right we got to go to work for her catering job so she's just constantly going um, feels like she never has time for herself as for george here he pretty much his character was summed up in the first 10 seconds of meeting him as well (laughs) you see him at the banquet so olivia starts catering this banquet and everything and she runs into george who apparently happens to be her roommate's second cousin that apparently her roommate also knows incredibly well for being second cousins 
I don't even know who my second cousins are, so... <laughs> anyway, Nick so... Nick had to define what his second cousin was for me. <laughs> so, George comes in, and he basically first starts talking to Olivia, because he thinks that she's just working there, and he's just talking about how how boring this is, how much he doesn't like the art, how he thinks it's dumb, all that type of stuff, and... He uh, then talks about he's going to get his new job from his dad. It's going to be CEO of taking over the Kessler Company. And so this is basically just you, Nick. No, I wish I was CEO. <laughs> um, but he, he's talking about you know he's going to take it over and everything. So he's just trying to live his life right before he becomes CEO. He's trying to travel the world, see other things. He was not a fan of the art, and he just... He was not a fan of being there. I think this is the perfect flower moment, because especially at this banquet... I, like, I wanted to like Olivia. I did. Obviously, the two main characters, you know, in a Hallmark movie, you're going to be spending all your time with them. So I wanted to like her. She's trying to become an artist. She's putting all her hopes and dreams into moving to New York, far away from Valentine, Nebraska, her hometown. But while catering, she takes a phone call from her sister on the clock while prepping food. First of all, you should not have your phone on you when catering. I, I know because I work in that industry. Second of all, everyone knows you don't touch your phone when prepping food because the like germs on your phone are disgusting. So th that alone, and then of course, ethical flag for us podcasting ethical queens, you shouldn't take a personal phone call while you're on the clock. If you, like, suspect an emergency, okay, completely understood, we've all been there, but also, like, that's it's when you say, I I'm working, like, unless this is an emergency, I can't take this, and you step into the bathroom or something a little bit more private, you don't stay on the floor, like, just so many... So many concerns. Her boss catches her doing this and says this is her second strike, which really begs the question of what her first strike happened to be. Don't ever found out. <laughs> no, we don't get to know. And then the third strike comes from the fact that George is, like, griping about the fact that he hasn't eaten anything besides a granola bar all day and making it everyone else's problem, even though, like, you're a grown man. Please feed yourself. You're capable. But, you know, beyond that, as Olivia... Again, while on the clock, tries to canoodle with this main... Do we... Do you remember... She's, like, the main artist of the gallery. Yes, this This yes. event is for her. For She's her. opening her new gallery in this art exhibit. And so everyone's trying to talk to her and everything. Here comes Olivia, dressed all in her working clothes. She's got her appetizers out and she's... Canapes. Sorry. It was mushroom soup, so I didn't really care. So she walks on up to her. She starts trying to say, hey, you know, I know you're opening your new exhibit. I really want to show you some of my pieces. I think, you know, they're really good. And she, really? to the art person, whatever her name was, to her benefit, she, she does a pretty good job of just trying to say, you know, hey, now's not a good time. You know, hey, just she's just trying to get Olivia to just you know, not have to bother her right now. This is, you know, about her. This whole party's about her and stuff. So she's just trying to, she's talking, she was conversing with three or four other people at the time too. Yeah, and it was really inconvenient timing. She just butts on in. So she's trying to talk to her. She's trying to show her stuff on her personal phone again on the clock. <laughs> so then George comes on over and he's like, hey, like, you know, did you find anything else? And as she turns around to talk to him, he bumps the tray and it spills on all over the main lady. Yeah, I mean... There's so much to unpack in these opening scenes, and it's just challenging because 
you really are immediately turned off by both the main characters. Olivia is being obnoxious and really overstepping her boundaries. Like, of course, uh, as soon as she spills the soup all over the gallery owner, her boss shows up and tells her that she's fired and she's very downtrodden. To Olivia's credit, George was the one to spill the soup and all he says is, I'm gonna go find towels and walks away. Really lets her take the fall for this. Additionally, you're just annoyed with George because, like, he cannot... He just doesn't have... He's very privileged as a character. You get that sense from him right away. Like, very entitled and pompous. And it's just so aggravating throughout this whole scene. The problem is, is you you just... You don't see a redeeming quality in him for the first, like, five minutes or whatever. This whole scene that's happening... Everything he does is kind of annoying because, like, at first you're like, okay, maybe he's just joking, but then he's just yeah, he's he, not. <laughs> he jokes like three to four times, so at that point he's not joking, and it's just annoying. Yeah. So then after this whole party and everything, this leads to our second ingredient, which is the salt. This is something that just you know kind of stood out to us, or since I had it this time, stood out to me during this movie. And as soon as Livy gets back home after getting fired and all that, everything that just blew up there. <laughs> and all that. And as soon as she gets back home, her she her and her roommate work the catering company together, and they get back into their apartment. They start talking about what happened. The roommate then says, "Oh, you know, I actually wanted to tell you something. I didn't want to break the news like this, but I actually got my acting job, and I have to go move to Chicago." Yeah. And that being said, Olivia was staying with her roommate for free. <laughs> Yeah, I cannot believe this woman. I cannot believe this woman. She was staying at her roommate's place, sleeping on the couch, everything for free, because her roommate was just really trying to get her up on her feet, get her through this art job and everything. So the roommate Tess was an incredible person, and she, she was. She just was like, "Hey, you know, I means I got to move out of here. I'm not going to be paying this place anymore. So you've got like, you know, what was it, like a week or something like that until you yeah. got to be out." Um, which led her to Valentine's Day. I think it was like a day or two before Valentine's Day when she had to be out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Tess, I mean, she is such a giving person. Like, obviously, Tess is achieving her dream of becoming an actress, and it really hurts her to see her friend Olivia not be in that same space in her life. I mean, she... Just like the real Tess we know. Ah, oh, so true. She really does try to encourage her. She kept propagating the idea that, okay, Olivia's not in a gallery yet. She hasn't felt inspired yet. Like, these are all pieces to come into play. And one thing that Tess keeps pushing is she thinks that Olivia can really reconnect with her artistic passion if she were to return home to Valentine, Nebraska for the Valentine's Day Be Mine Parade. So again hallmark just with the confusing not really making sense plot lines olivia says that she's tried to look up flights but it's not gonna work out she can't afford any of them all these things and i don't know how she doesn't afford a flight when she's not paying anything that's what i'm saying like you've been working for a catering company like where is this money going i'm presumably i guess she's buying food and things but it's just it's not the most believable it could have been portrayed And then Tess has to come up with the brilliant idea, since Olivia's clearly not going to do anything about her situation, that George, a.k.a. the person that spilled soup all over the place and let Olivia take the downfall for it, 
has a car. Uh, Nick, what car was it? I don't know what the type of car oh, it was. I thought you would. Nope. Yeah, it's a very fancy old car, right? Yeah, it was a very. It looked like a nineteen sixties. Like it was. It was a really nice car, but I don't know what it was. He titles this car Big Red, and she says, all right, we're going to take a road trip. I need to move to Chicago anyway. Chicago somehow is on the way to Nebraska. I guess they are heading from New York City, so I could see it, but it's not the most on-the-way destination, I wouldn't say, um, geographically, but that's okay. And George Uh, has to go all the way to L.A. mm -hmm. to go get his job. So he's like, we'll take it across country from New York all the way to L.A., making two different stops. Yeah, and like Nick hinted at in the beginning, I mean, it was very disappointing just the lack of transition that they had. Like, basically, you see them all get in the car. Then next thing you know, they are in Chicago dropping off Tess. And Like a scene over. Not yeah. No scene of them driving, no, it, no it's anything. It's literally ridiculous because, you know, you would assume they would want to show that building tension between George and... Olivia with their meet ugly moment I mean she is not his biggest fan he literally got her fired and sure he is going out of his way on this road trip but Tess basically had to be the one to force the issue so she's not really trusting of him and honestly he's still behaving like a jerk the whole time the one time we do get to see kind of their interactions is after they drop Tess off we get to see one of what would presumably be the many gas stops on the way to Nebraska (laughs) That car would not get good gas mileage. No, no way, no way. And they're trying to talk a little bit because she wants to bring licorice in the car, but he has a rule that no food nor liquids can be in his fancy car. So she's trying to eat the licorice outside, but somehow it's so cold that the licorice has frozen, and yet neither of them have gloves on, and neither of them have a, like actual heavy coats so you see their breath and they have a coat on they talk about it being cold but they don't really show signs of like being that freezing they're not like crazy or anything it's like so they're trying to warm up this licorice so he just puts it like in his coat trying to warm it up yeah. for her. which she had a coat on too this was this like literally this scene just did not make sense and the i think it was supposed to be hallmark's attempt at chemistry building I will admit, I do not think that the lines were written right for the actors and actresses. It felt more like a brother-sister moment, to be honest. It was just like a... He was annoyed that she wanted to bring food in. She was annoyed he wouldn't let her. So he's like, fine, I'll just try to warm it up for you real quick. Yeah. And then that was it. And, I mean, she does express a little bit about her concerns of heading home. Specifically the fact that she hasn't really made it in the art scene yet. And it's difficult telling people that after two years... She still hasn't taken any concrete steps towards her main goal. So she does admit that much. And he kind of also expresses some hesitancy in stepping into the CEO position. Just because, you know, is it just that the path is expected for him? Is it something he really wants to be doing? He never really takes the time to ask those types of questions to himself but again like nick said i mean there was no real chemistry in this moment suddenly he's just like you know what it's fine licorice doesn't leave crumbs you can go ahead and bring in the car but like it wasn't like but that was after he warmed it up yeah it wasn't a romantic moment by any means it was just kind of like okay whatever fine and then when they finally make it to valentine i thought nick was gonna explode because meeting the sister well first of all loved the sister that actress was so good she was the best one in the movie yes i really liked her but everyone was saying hiya every (laughs) 
five minutes or so. It's a Nebraskan thing. No, they said it's specific to Valentine. Well, Nick did look it up. Valentine is real, and it is in Nebraska. I wonder if that truly is a phrase of theirs, or if they just made that up for the movie. But it was definitely a little grating to hear everyone say it all the time. I mean, I know they were going for those small town vibes, and actually I do think Hallmark did a great job of depicting this as a realistic small town. Not normally they're like uh, staged ones they typically set up, but still, I mean, of course they have to have the precocious kid, the sister who's a single mom with no explanation. No, 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 no. Remember, she's not a single mom because- Oh, wait, that's right. Finally, later in the- like, There's no talk about the dad, no talk about the husband or anything, no talk about any partner at all in her life, and then randomly, the very end of the movie, her (laughs) kid says something about like, oh yeah, dad will be home tomorrow, he's my valentine, and it's like- we have not heard about this person at all. And actually, now that you say that, it's really strange because that does not get addressed the rest of the movie. Like, we he never, never see comes the dad back. come back. We never hear where he was. Like, maybe military then? I, I'm not really sure. It never gets explained. And it's interesting because the only facet that we see of the sister is that, you know, she's kind of a stressed out mom. She's balancing a lot. But she never talks about the difficulty of being separated from her spouse like it it, yeah i don't know if he was on a work trip or whatever but it it was never explained we never see him anything as you can tell we had a lot of frustrations with the movie and unfortunately this continues in our baking soda moment so just to recap the baking soda moment is something that stands out and it can either be good or bad this time it's bad um, because the town mechanic is called in since as George is trying to leave after saying goodbye to Olivia, his car won't start. So he knows he just needs a jump for it. So thankfully, of course, it's a small town. So Olivia has known the mechanic since she was a child. She's able to call on him to show up. And as he's talking to Olivia a bit about her experiences in New York, he's setting up the cables, but he sets them up incorrectly. He does not connect the black to black and red to red, like what George had said, because I guess he was trying to show off his car knowledge. I'm not sure. No, he was just, I mean, he was just saying, you know, if you can get it started, because he got a call from, I assume, his dad talking about the position. But he got a call and just asked Ron, the mechanic, to try and hook it up for him. Again, red to red, black to black. He goes, should be simple enough, and he walks away with the phone call. Yeah. Nick, do you want to go off on this one? Because I know you have I mean, notes. it was just, to me, it was <laughs> annoying because if this guy, you know, she was talking about, oh, he's the town mechanic. He's really great at his job. He, everyone loves him. Years. He's been doing it his whole life. Like, he grew up in a shop. So he comes in. Presumably, he's just distracted talking to Olivia and the sister. But I feel like if you're that trained, you're... You know enough to hook the jumper cables up correctly. He doesn't, so he flips the two, thus like short-circuiting everything, frying the battery, the every every electrical part. The alternator. Yeah, every electrical part inside that and inside the hood here. He just fries it all. George doesn't know until he walks on back to his car and sees that everything's just kind of smoking. Yeah, I mean. This moment is frustrating enough, but we really get to see that not good side of George because, I mean, naturally, yes, it would be incredibly frustrating to be in his position, but he literally just is like, I I mean, no, you, you just got to watch the movie to see the way that this No, actor, you don't have to watch the movie. <laughs> to see the way this actor pulls it off because 
it is the most obnoxious and pompous response you could ever imagine having to a situation like that. Like, even though everyone was just trying to help him out, granted, they, you know, the mechanic did it wrong, but Ron wasn't being cruel or mean in doing that. And the way that he takes it, he's just like, I don't know, he's so He's just like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know how you messed this up. It's not hard. He, he was just, he was yeah. very much acting like, he was literally acting like a kid throwing a tantrum. Yeah. It was literally ridiculous to see. And I don't know. I, I had a lot of issues because, again, like, I feel like Homer does have those male types where, you know, they have a lot of growth and maturing to do. And I'm fine with that. But sometimes I feel like they overplay it. And this felt overplayed to me. Especially because when we take it into our next couple moments, George for some reason is just back in the shop with Ron and he's suddenly decided he's gonna calm down. I mean, I did appreciate the way Ron approached him because he's kind of like, hey, I really noticed that you took a tone at Olivia's sister's house and I didn't really know that I could trust you, but I did know that we had car knowledge in common. So I, I wanna help you out. I wanna make it up to you the fact that I accidentally did this to your car. And George like decides, basically flip of a switch that he's going to be the kindest person in the world oh next scene they're buddy buddy yeah, him like, and ron are best friends again just like the character building was not there i'm fine if we go from like someone who's pompous entitled blah 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 to someone who's a little bit more empathetic and understanding but it was just like okay now that we switched the scene he can be totally different and it's like it, it doesn't work like that people don't operate like that it takes time and effort so it's just really frustrating because suddenly ron's you know he's like i really want to make it up to olivia and ron's like oh i see like you know you're romantically interested in her and he takes him to the diner that he knows olivia will be in and then george is being so obnoxious like He's literally like, I want to order beers and I want to order the strawberry milkshakes because even though he called this town nowhere in Nebraska, suddenly he's like, no, I love everything Valentine, Nebraska. This is wonderful. Again, flip of a switch, super annoying. And Olivia is approached by an old friend who wants to commission her to do a painting for her daughter's nursery. And she's kind of asking you know where Olivia is in her dream knowing that she's a New York hotshot as she puts it and George just butts in and makes up all these lies about how like she's on the brink of being in a gallery and this person's already noticed her and blah, no blah, blah. even he even goes as far as to say is every piece like so many pieces of hers are already in an that's exhibit right, that's right that's right she's in so many exhibits everywhere and like next week it's not a big exhibit it's a huge exhibit yes. all hers all everything so he just goes from zero to like a thousand yeah it's so over the top and you can tell how uncomfortable olivia is getting but he just keeps going on and on and then of course like she agrees to do the painting for the friend with a discount and of course she's mad at george he's already insinuated himself in the diner he's promised free milkshakes to everyone who's there he's trying to be all buddy buddy with the owner of the diner because he knows that she rents out a space above the diner that he could stay at and of course you know Olivia had just been at the diner telling the diner owner about him so as the diner owner is getting to know him she goes oh and this is the quote of our podcast. Olivia, is this your George of the Concrete Jungle? Which we thought was perfect. I love that. But yeah, it's just 
I don't know. That scene also was difficult to get through. Of course she's mad, and of course he doesn't seem to understand why. He goes as far as to say he didn't even lie in the diner. He was just telling pre-truths. And I'm like, dude. Mind you, this is all the same day that they got to the sister's house. So... No consistency. No consistency at all. The only one who is consistent is Olivia and her sister, and Olivia's more of a... Olivia's consistent, but she's very weirdly snappy. Yeah. Very, like, very passive-aggressive. And just constantly like, oh, well, you wouldn't know because you're not me type of person. And it's just neither character were likable at all no and again like all you see is this tension 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 from other characters you get that you're supposed to see chemistry but it is not apparently everyone in the town sees the (laughs) chemistry between the two of them except for us watching the movie but this does kind of lead you know as the plot lines progressing the parades coming up and her olivia's sister is the one who's stepping into the role of leading the parade we do see that there is some struggle with this since miss hacky who was the previous parade marshal is having trouble giving up the throne so to speak and she's got her little stool that she is perched on outside the barn constantly watching trying to critique the sister and i think some of the stress really got to the sister she at one point is trying to delegate all the tasks that are left the last minute tasks before valentine's day she kind of clutches at her chest a little bit seems short of breath couldn't tell if we're supposed to be on the brink of a anxiety attack or what but the sisters really have their connection moment and that is where i find my butter or that central message of the hallmark movie because they really are connecting about the ideas of how their mom had an unexpected sickness that led to her death when they were i want to say like olivia was she said like fourth grade or so she was pretty young and her sister is a little bit older but still it would have occurred when they were younger they both have a very strong fear of failure and i think that's where they're both able to guide each other to that central message of that fear of failure stopping people from being authentically themselves and when they're not authentically themselves it makes it even harder to obtain their dreams since they're being someone else I do think that this was a very strong message. I don't think it was as poignant as it could have been. This was a moment that easily could have been brushed off because it is a little frustrating because you see the sister break down and cry and Olivia's hearing her out and listening to her. And then, you know, of course, Olivia starts to break down a little bit too because she's having the same fear of failure and failing their mom. And the sister goes, nope, nope don't cry you're doing you're doing wonderful things you're about to be in a gallery blah 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 and it's like i feel like they just took away from that moment they should have just let the sisters feel what they needed to feel i don't know i was a little frustrated even though it was what i identified to be the butter of the movie but yes they're putting this parade together and george and ron are trying to get the parts for the car as George is going rummaging around and I don't know what it was supposed to be. Well, he like, was there was some like junkyard that yes, he was going junkyard. through Thank to find you. parts because even though they're 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 talking about it with Ron and George, there's a whole scene of man, I don't think this car is going to run for multiple days because a car like this, we don't have parts like these in our town. This is a very old car. I'd have to order that part, but 
No one else sells that part right now. It's a really old car, so I, I don't even have anything like that. So it's going to take multiple days, if not a week or so, to fix it. So he starts going to the junkyard trying to look for old parts and see what he can find. And big shock, Olivia's there. She's trying to find something else to help. <laughs> Aluminum for the top of the puppy dog float. Puppy yeah, dog float. to help with the floats for the parade. So... They start, you know, talking and everything, and... It's a scene that's supposed to bring a lot about a lot of chemistry. Olivia's asking him to slow down, consider what he wants to see from his life, and not just step into a role because it's expected of him. We learn the one redeeming quality I think we see of George in the movie, and that is that he was interested in the very beginning of his career in starting a charity outreach branch of the company to help people get their first cars that are struggling to afford it. No, that's what he changed it to. Oh, was that, that was not at his the original that intention? was at the end of the okay. movie. His Thank original you for correcting me. Yeah, his original one was that he just wanted to create a third party nonprofit branch from their own company. That's right. And he was just he tried to pitch the idea. So this is why I feel like George is who he is because he tried to pitch that. So like I feel like he used to be like good. Right. And he tried to pitch it. His dad said, "No, that's not what this company's about." That type of thing does not give us money it doesn't right. it, there's no profit involved so george is instantly destroyed and he says you know what fine i gotta be just like my dad i gotta be ceo there's nothing i can do so yeah. i think that's the problem is it's like i feel like he had a lot of internal good but apparently one thing shot him down so kind of like regina and once upon a time actually <laughs> now that you think about it <laughs> but anywho as they're going through this junkyard again supposed to be a very touching scene didn't really get much chemistry between the two of them. In fact, every single time they tried to bring chemistry in, it felt a little awkward. I know at the junkyard, they end up reaching for the same piece and they touch hands. Is that right? No, they just both grab the same piece. That's right. And their faces because, are like inches. Because like it's, it's so awkward because they're both like on... It's hard to kind of paint the picture without the movie, but there's like this... There's a bunch of junk between them. They both walk around the junk, like, in a half circle, meet in the middle, both grab this, like, table-looking thing with with one hand. I don't know how they didn't see the other person grabbing it, how they didn't see the other person the entire slow walk around, but they both grabbed it, stood up, and then were like, whoa, we're so close. Their faces were right next to each other, and I, I think it was supposed to create some sort of tension, like, oh, here comes this blossoming love, and it literally just, it felt... It was, it was really uncomfortable to watch. I was definitely cringing during that scene. And I know, to be fair, a lot of Hallmark romantic moments are a little cringe, but that one felt... That but one, you can kind of brush them, you can brush them off as, oh, this is Hallmark romance. Right. This one was just like, this one just felt like you ran into someone at the supermarket <laughs> trying to grab something. You're like, oh, sorry. Right. It, it just didn't. It didn't work. Since George is able to find his cables, he's one step closer to getting Big Red Operational to go back to Los Angeles and accept the CEO position. Olivia knows this. He knows this. Ron knows this. Also, apparently Miss Hacky knows this because she tells, and this is really where we get to our eggs or our betrayal of the movie, she tells George that she knows exactly where to get an old antique alternator and leads him to the float because Miss Hackey is very upset that they're trying to modernize quote modernize the parade by using an old car to support a float and she thinks that this is the perfect sabotage that would somehow completely 
derail the parade. George, without consulting Olivia, without consulting the sister, you know, the people that are actually in charge of the parade, goes, you sure this is okay? And she's now, just like, yeah, yeah, it's all good. To be fair to George, though, is he knows that she is involved with the parade. So, like, he doesn't know anyone in the town. I, I If I were him, I would double check, but... To be fair to him, he, you know, he goes up and she comes up. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear. She plays this really sweet old lady. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry to hear about your car. You know, I, I, I have the exact re, uh, exact part for it. I know where to find it. And then, like, in that float, she goes, no, seriously, this is a float they're not using anymore. Right. It's a really old float. They don't plan on using it. So it's like, I, if I were him, I would double check with the person in charge just to make sure. Yeah. And also, I mean, like, what are you going to do? Take the part and drive away, not tell them you took the part? I, I mean, know, at that it, point, it you'd, doesn't. like, have to bring it back at some point or something or buy it them a new one. But, like, to his defense, there's a reason to believe her, but... Yeah, it's still just, I don't know. Sometimes Hallmark, here's my issue. If they, like, have a plot that kind of reaches at one point, I don't really have an issue. But this one felt like a lot of reaching, and it really tested even my patience. And I can be pretty patient with movies in my suspension of disbelief. But, again, this is really that betrayal moment that leads to kind of our second betrayal, I guess, where Olivia just out of the blue decides, you know what, I do really like George. I'm going to try to go see him and ask him to be my Valentine. Um, of course, at the encouragement of her sister, who's going to go pick up her son at like 7 p.m. from school. <laughs> Anyways. It's like pitch black at night. <laughs> yeah. Her sister and her just got done with dinner. And she's like, oh my gosh, I got to go pick up my son. And I'm like, ah. and that doesn't add. So like, I don't know if he's in like, some extended daycare because she's in charge of the parade or what happened or he's being babysat i don't know but she says picked up from school so i don't know but as olivia is going to find george at the garage shop she brings the licorice to him to really hearken back to you know that first moment where he kind of softened and let her bring it in the car and she's literally like oh this is licorice for your road trip and then he's like yeah i was able to get the alternator like i'm all set and then she goes all cold and she's like Oh, so you really are going back. Well, she's happy for him. She's like, yeah. oh, you got your car fixed. Right. Like, and so, like, she, she brings it in. She's talking about it. And he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, I actually got it fixed. And she's like, oh, that's fantastic. You can go on your way. You can get to L.A. You can go to your job. And he's like, yeah. And then he goes, oh, is this your way of, like, asking to be my Valentine and stuff? And she goes, I don't know. Is it? And I'm like, I don't know. You're the one who's doing yeah, it. it. So uh... then as soon as he's like, yeah, I'm about to go on the road tomorrow. Then she just instantly flips yeah. again with this movie with the whole flipping. <laughs> and she instantly flips. She's like, oh, okay. Then I guess it doesn't matter. And she kind of walks away because like, I know she wants him to stay for the parade because she starts to like him again. I don't know how there's been no chemistry, yeah. but <laughs> she starts to like him. And so like now she's angry that he's about to leave tomorrow and he just kind of stand there like confused because she was yeah. so happy that was his original plan he never planned to stay for the parade no. there was never any intention for him staying there was never any like oh i might stay because there's some hallmark movies that are like yeah. oh i might stay for this i might not i i have to see what this is or anything like that but it literally was just to drop her off and his car broke so yeah. like it was literally was just it was out of nowhere she got upset at him so then he's like i'm not sure what to do yeah, I mean, beyond the frustrations of this scene, of course, this leads him to go on his way. He, of course, can't make it to Los Angeles in time 
for the actual meeting. He pulls off on the side of the road, gets out of his car. Yeah, he starts <laughs> joining the conference call from the outside of his car with trucks and cars passing him. I'm like, if you're going to do that, just stay inside the car so there's elimination of sound or anything. He did try to connect with his dad before the meeting to once again ask for that sister branch that... This is where he comes up with this the is, idea. Yeah, because of, after fixing Big Red, he's mm-hmm. like, okay, you know what? Maybe if I can reach... Because Big Red was a gift from his dad. So yes. he's like, maybe if I can reach, you know, me and my dad's, like, meeting point. So he starts talking about, here's where I have an idea of a nonprofit, third party. We can start helping people rebuild cars and get their new car on the road. That way, people who don't have the money to afford that type of stuff can, you know, work with it. And he says... Don't lose your way. Yeah. Don't ask me this again or you're not going to get the job. Right. And one part that we did kind of forget to mention in the frustrations of that whole interaction between Olivia and George is he does admit that his greatest fear and why he doesn't push back against his dad is because he's afraid of disappointing and being a failure in his dad's eyes. And it's ironic because obviously... As you just heard from my butter moment, this is exactly mirroring Olivia's fear. Of course, the main difference is her mother's not alive to express disappointment, but she has the exact same fear, and yet she's criticizing and going cold on him because she's like, that's no way to live your life. You need to slow down. You need to, like, you reassess need to take the priorities. And- yeah, and it's like, Olivia, you're doing the exact same thing. Like, you're literally holding yourself back because you're so afraid of failure, and he's just not holding himself back he's just pursuing a predetermined path like i don't know as he is on track to assume this predestined path uh he is reaching in his coat pocket and finds a valentine that mickey had made when he was hanging out at the shop and it says on it mickey is the sister's son it says on the valentine that george was the most unexpected surprise for valentine's day and this gives him the courage he needs to take hold of the moment, tell the board that he is not going to take the position as CEO, uh, and that he does not plan on joining the company in that way. So he returns to Valentine. Meanwhile, of course, the parade is about to start. Everyone's freaking out because the car won't start. Ron can't figure it out. Once again, portrayed as an inept mechanic who doesn't recognize that alternator is not in the car he's literally like that but you know by my estimations this car should be running and it's like dude what anyways olivia notices that miss hacky's kind of <laughs> snooping around <laughs> she's she did one of those it pans the camera and she is half like her <laughs> half of her face is looking forward and olivia's just like I think I know what happened. And yes. Then... So Olivia confronts Miss Hackey, and of course the truth comes out. And then what had been evident from the start... She was just sad because yeah. she she ran it for 30 years. Yes. And then the board, which is like, they, they like had some sort of board of election to who would, would run the parade for the town. And just randomly they went with Olivia's sister. We never were told that she was running. We no. never told that she, you know, she enjoyed that stuff. So I've... In that way, you kind of feel bad for Miss Hackey because, yeah, like, do. she's been she's doing it for blindsided. yeah, she's been doing it for thirty years. No one's ever run against her. Finally, this year, apparently, she did. Don't know why, but someone did, and then she lost it. And it's like, at that point, if I were somewhere new in that position, I would ask her for her experience. Heck she's been yeah. doing it for so long, but she fully kicked her out. No, no help on the parade at all. Yeah, like. Again, Miss Hackey, we see her the whole time sitting outside the barn, 
with her little stool. Like, she wants, she so clearly wants to be involved, and that's what stinks about it. Like, the fact that then Olivia's like, oh, you know what, we need, we need a marshal, we need someone to announce things. Why don't you ask Miss Hackey to do it? And then the sister's kind of like, I don't want to, but then she does anyways. I don't know. It's, it's silly is what it is. That's what, that's all. And then, it, you know, they go through and then they start having the parade. Never once after that moment do they bring up that float that's no. not working. <laughs> and they're just like, all right, here's the parade. And then the parade goes. And then the next scene is it's on the two sisters. Like, we did it. We're so happy. Like, they never talked about the float not working again. They never showed the float in running. The float wasn't in the barn anymore. So presumably <laughs> it went, but we weren't told about it. And so the sisters are like, you know, we're so happy. Everything worked out. Everything's perfect. That whole issue just didn't matter, I guess. I don't know what they did for it. Because there's supposed to be, what they said, like a whole bunch of sixth graders, a whole bunch of like yeah. kids on it. It's supposed to be the biggest float. It's going to be like rounding it, everything yeah, up. Yeah, it was the finale. And just not mentioned at all. So, of course, the town wants to celebrate another successful year of the Valentine's Day Be Mine Parade. But Olivia's just not feeling it because she's still in her feelings after that argument with George. And so she tells her sister, you know what? You go have fun. I'll start boarding up the barn. I'll I'll lock the doors. Apparently they didn't lock them the night before when Miss Hackey <laughs> just showed George the alternator. But so she goes to shut up the barn doors and everything. Imagine Miss Hackey just shows up with like one of those lock clipper things. You know, she's just like, this is totally fine. Olivia, you know, she's shutting the doors and as she's shutting it, you can see lights on the barn door and she turns around. She's really confused why there's a car there. Big shocker, it's George. He comes back. Um, Hiya, Georgie. <laughs> oh, that would have been perfect because it's Hiya! <laughs> that should have been the quote of my We all float down here. <laughs> oh, no. So the lights come up and George is there. And now this leads to our last key ingredient mm -hmm. of the sugar, which is the sweetest moment of the movie. As you can tell with how we've talked so far, <laughs> this movie was not full of sweet moments there in fact before this moment my sweetest moment was seeing a dog because <laughs> that's true the sister's dog it was it was cute. nothing there was nothing else there was no other <laughs> sweet part and then george you know gets out of big red and he's holding the milkshake and so that you know first you think okay he, you know he got the milkshake for it but then you think well he had his whole rule of no no food, mm -hmm. no liquid, no anything in Big Red, but he actually got the milkshake, brought it back for her because he wanted to be with her. So, like, that was the sweetest moment there. He tells her about how he's not accepting the job, how he doesn't know what the future holds for him, but he knows it would feel wrong to be without her on Valentine's Day, even though we have probably, what, uh, about three waking hours left of Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, super, super dark. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, he comes in, says, you know, I want my life to be with you so you know that's the sweetest moment that was in the whole movie that yeah. that right there felt like a typical hallmark type of thing with him but other than that like i expected something like that throughout the movie yeah. or some sort of connection some sort of chemistry like that some just you know little side glances at each other like it just nothing nothing so but we do reach our smooch meter because of course she's she's moved by his words and by transporting the Milkshake and she even comments. She comments on it, and she said, "I thought you said no liquids." He goes, mm -hmm. "Yeah, you better be thankful." It, I, you know, I, I had to go very carefully with this or anything right. like that. Which obviously that one was made as a joke. As this one, she did laugh at 
unlike the beginning yes. of the movie. But <laughs> you know, it, it was that part was the sweetest part. It was it was nice to see it. Um, but yeah, then of course you know brings a milkshake. Here comes the smooch. Yeah, my smooch meter was an exponential decay because. It was such a strong start. Probably one of the best Hallmark kisses we've seen in a while on this podcast. But they did not make it last. And it did not feel the sweetest. Yeah, I ended up giving it a two for me. Because I felt like they, you know, it was like, oh, we we want to be with each other. They went in for it. And then, like, it looked like they just stood there like they didn't keep moving they didn't move their mouths they didn't they didn't like move their heads whoa you're getting into the logistics they just, of the kiss well they literally just <laughs> like put mouth to mouth stood there for like a half second and then pulled away so like it didn't it had it had a two there was nothing there like it just they went in they didn't do anything and then they went out super fast and then we get our one year later screen that's the obligatory hallmark finisher which is just that Olivia is somehow in the gallery of the woman that she spilled mushroom soup all over without explanation. And yeah. They oh, hug. well, th- that's because I, I will say the one oh, thing yeah. we did forget was because Olivia thought that George was going to be going to L.A. and getting his dad's office. Um, she ended up making this entire painting of Big Red, which we never saw her actually do. She, she yeah. there was never there's never a time of her starting it. There was no reference to it. She just yeah, randomly could have easily been a cut scene, you know, like she, her just painting. A hundred percent. And she just randomly there was one scene of she called up Tess and said, "Hey, what's George's dad's office address?" Yeah. First off, how come Tess would know? It's again second cousin dad. Also, if he's really this big CEO of a big company, you just can look it up. Look it up. Google Kessler Incorporated and look up the main address. Anyway, so she she gets this address. She goes to this post office and she sends out this painting of Big Red. It gets to the dad's office because obviously George doesn't end up getting the job. He doesn't go out to L.A. So her his dad opens it up, sees the painting, and recognizes, you know, this is what I like. Um, you know, it's a really good painting. I didn't think it was that great. but Nick is he, also an art hater, though. He thought it was a really good painting. It made him, like, you know, touchy because it was his thing with his son. Um, but then that was never mentioned. So it showed yeah. him looking at this painting. So you'd think, oh, maybe this is a good idea. Right. This whole third party, like... It would be so much better of a movie if they took that and said, oh, Correct. And this it, it reached to the dad's humility. It reached right. to like, oh, I do want to do something like this with my son. But no, it literally showed the dad and that was it. And then it went to a year later where she has all her art in this exhibit. She's just some big hotshot artist. And yeah. that's it. That's the end of the movie. Yeah, no mention of George. And, done. and no mention of George. We don't know what he's doing. Other than no, he's there. we see him at the gallery, but we have no idea. That's what I mean. Rot- he, he's, he's there with to... Olivia, but he because they they no do idea. share that she splits like when the woman, uh, the gallery owner, is introducing Olivia's work. She does say, "Oh, she splits her time between New York City and I forget where in California. It wasn't Los Angeles, maybe Burbank. I forget. So like presumably that's where George is, but like again, just no details." No build-up. You know, they want their future together, but they're on opposite sides of the U.S. Yeah, and who knows? There's, there's no mention of George, like, at all. Well, real quickly, we'll just breeze through. I mean, I think you can tell our opinions throughout these segments, but we'll just discuss fashion, hair, 
and the makeup of our main character. So, I will say, for as kind of obnoxious Olivia's behavior was, her makeup and hair were on point. Nick, you weren't a fan of all her sweaters, but I loved it. I just, yeah, there was a lot. That's yeah. all. And George, of course, was pretty much always dressed up. We see him in the, like, shop. Well, you know, up. obviously this whole thing took over three days, apparently, even though it acted like it was a week. And so, yeah, he came in with his suit. He had, like, the typical, like, mechanic uniform on for a little bit when he was fixing his car. Yeah. Other than that, again, he was in a suit. Yeah. So, not not that he was giving too much. I mean, obviously, corporate man. But the setting. Like we said, Valentine, Nebraska, I feel like they did a good job. Obviously, I've never been there. I don't know if it's a true representation of the town. But it, it looked didn't like feel a good old, fake. It looked like a good old, like, you know, almost like middle of nowhere, kind of low... It was like country, small town. So like it looked, it looked really good setting wise. My only complaint I had with the setting was that this is Nebraska, February 14th, obviously for Valentine's Day. You're telling me it wasn't snowing because every time they showed the small town at the sister's house, at the mechanics, at this, what was it? The little diner. The parade. Every time they showed it, no snow on the ground. People were, they were wearing coats like they were cold, but there was no snow on the ground at all. But every time they aerial shot, so like to zoom in on what was happening, there was snow everywhere. everywhere so like i'm glad you brought that up that part didn't make sense to me because every time it was like oh here's snow just kidding there's no snow the only time we saw snow on the ground was when they started the parade in the morning yeah there was snow on the ground but then by that evening when george came nothing so i that part confused me also i'm realizing you're right they started at like the presumably the beginning of the morning and they end when it's sundown like Gosh dang, how long is this parade? <laughs> like For a that, small town. Yeah, that, it's like impossible. But okay, no, no, no. We'll move away from that because we, we've already critiqued too much. So we will just slip and slide into our final segment, which is measuring cups. Of course, I'll be sharing all of our counts. We never make guests do the counts because that is not fair. And then we'll end with our woo-woo rating. But first, let me get to all of our counts. So I took shoes, purses, coats, hot beverages, and adult beverages. Shoes were three for Olivia, as far as I could tell. Again, not a whole lot of full body shots. Purses, four. Coats, three. Hot beverages, for someone who claimed to be only functioning when they had coffee we only had two coffees in the whole movie yeah she constantly was like because that's how we've learned about the whole liquid thing was she was like we need it where we stopping for coffee when they first started the trip and that's when he said you know no food no liquid she's like that's not gonna happen you can't take me on a car trip uncaffeinated first off you're at a car trip then just sleep if you're uncaffeinated like that's fine trust me i get it i like coffee too but like you don't need it for a car if you're not the one driving it's not as important Yes, but adult beverages, zero for Olivia. We do technically have one for George because he orders that beer at the Starcross Lovers Diner. So Technically orders two, him and Ron. True. Well, we only count main characters, but not high counts at all, uh, which really just, yeah, really just summarizes this movie. So I'm sure you are dying to know what our woo-woo rating is since we use Miss Nala Mama. You will not see her on the Instagram this week since we recorded with 
our cat Mushu. You'll see him instead. But we are using the woo woos from Miss Nala Mama, who is the inspiration for this podcast. She loves to woo woo to express her thoughts, emotions, feelings, indifferences, everything. <laughs> Everything, anytime you see Nala, anytime you pet her, play with her, anything. Yes. So we will use those woo-woos to express ourselves on a one to five scale. One being the worst Hallmark movie we've ever seen. Five being the best Hallmark movie we've ever seen. I say I'd give this a five. Out of uh, eight million, because this movie was terrible. What? That is not the scale. (laughs) All right. I'll just say I gave this a one. I, I don't. There was very little redeeming about this movie. I, I I thought about it when I was trying to give the rating, and I was thinking, okay, where would I put this myself? And I always think back to what Sally says every single week of, you know, five's the best Hallmark movie I've ever seen, one's the worst Hallmark movie I've ever seen. I'm throwing Naughty or Nice all the way up at five. And if I'm Naughty or Nice is up at five, this one's got to be a one. I'd even go as low as a zero if she let me, but she wouldn't. <laughs> So, That's what Colleen said with Butler's in love. So one is the lowest she'll let me go. I'm going to stick at one, and it's not getting any more than that. Yeah, which ironically, Naughty or Nice was the last podcast that you were on. Yeah. So you've got Nick's five perspective, and you've got Nick's one's perspective. So as for my rating, given that I have seen a few more movies than you have <laughs> from <bit>. Hallmark, <laughs> I actually gave... Welcome to Valentine, a 1.5. This one was hard for me. I had to sit with it for a bit. But here's where my 1.5 came from. I really wanted to like this movie. It was one of the first Hallmark movies I have ever seen with a predominantly black main cast. And I thought it was really cool that they took that angle because they've been doing that for the Mahogany series. We haven't been able to dip into those yet, just given that we only do one a week. But I felt like this one, you know, it wasn't branded that way. So it was kind of cool to just have that happen and and for me to not have known that was going to be the case. That was really cool to me. But I also ranked it higher. Granted, it only gave it a 0.5 higher because... The supporting cast was so strong. Like, what the heck? You do not normally see that. I mean, Tess was amazing. And every single scene she was in, like, she had me smiling or laughing. She was really good. And again, the sister, I know we already talked about it, but she was super strong too. So I was like, okay, like, they had And a even good... Ron, like, yeah, I mean, Ron like, too, yes. I will say, you know, as much as, as much crap as I give him as being a, <laughs> a great town mechanic and he wasn't, like, at least him as a character, he was really nice. He was... He, he seemed like he was a good character. Yes. So, you know, everyone else was pretty good. The main two, yeah, I don't I know if don't... they need to recast the main two and do the movie or rewrite the movie or I just scrap the movie entirely. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think what's pretty evident based off of everything we've discussed so far, what really lost it, that 3.5 for me. Wait, was that the right math? No. 4.5? No, I was kidding. It's 3.5. Oh, hey! <laughs> Hear that, Dad? Anyways, um, <laughs> what really lost at the 3.5 for me is it felt like this movie actually did have potential, but I felt like this plot was just full of like, okay, here's this plot point. It was okay, we're going to drop it. It was jump yeah, after it was jump jumpy. after jump. The pacing was awful. And you know I care about pacing a movie. The pacing made no sense. We spent 20 minutes in this art gallery to watch her get fired for what? And yet 
all the road trip scenes where we could have had that character development could have been building that romance yeah it was like maybe five minutes maybe it was ridiculous all of them combined from new york to yeah. dropping tess off to their little gas station scene to getting to valentine was like maybe five minutes it did not make sense i don't know if they spent something like, just didn't click that was the issue i just feel like it i think this movie would have been so much better if they would have like spent i don't know like maybe 20 minutes or something yeah. like that just have them like multiple gas stop multiple gas stops slowly building their chemistry yeah, that been really cute. slowly like you know yeah. maybe they pulled off and did something else because it was on the way yes. i know now that probably wouldn't happen because george was very time oriented he said i you know this is this is the trip we need to get from here yeah, to but here he would have had to do the gas stops anyways that would have been perfect at least to, like, just show tie something because yeah, like, then you could show like okay like the first gas stop super icy then the second you know like between the two of them then the second gas stop they're warming up to each other they share a joke they share a moment especially whatever. i mean after like, tess is gone you, you it's just her and george in the yeah. car to my knowledge it's like that the two of them were just sitting there in silence like <laughs> The only time they talked about it was that George was listening to some financial podcast. Well, yeah, so clearly they weren't talking so to each she, other. So she freaked out at that gas station saying, please, not another financial podcast. And he says, fine, just not, nothing about art or something like that. And it's just like, that's fine. If you want to listen to a podcast, just show something. Yeah. Show it, them on the road. Show them, like, it's not hard to do a green screen with a car. Like, just show them on the road. Show them at a gas station. Do something other than just jump from New York to nebraska in five minutes and i mean especially we've touched on it a little bit so i'm not going to harp on it too much but like when you look at that scene where the sisters were connecting and being emotionally vulnerable with each other it's like okay they have their moment of crying and we're done we got to go back to work like it's like everything was so jarring and nothing was allowed to just sit and settle for a moment and I feel like that really just contributed to this feeling of, okay, we're just dropping off all these plot points. Who cares? Like, I just didn't, it didn't sit right with me. And those are really our thoughts of the movie. If anyone has any different opinions, I'd love to hear it. Maybe we just got jaded by this movie. I don't know what it was. But this, of course, leads us to our shout out. So, shout out to Tessa. You know, you Tessa? Tessa. You know, you're killing it. We love you, bruh. Shout out to mom since she's out on her trip. Shout out to my husband, Nick, for doing this podcast. I I don't know why you're shouting me out. Podcast with me. Shout out to our most loyal supporter, dad. Thank you for listening. Love you, love you. Shout out to Moochie. Yeah, shout out to Mooshu, who's just sleeping calmly after almost hunting birds on our TV screen. Shout out to our candle provider for the evening. Of course, this was actually a candle. I think I bought it during the Bath and Body Works candle sale. It's the Blush Poinsettia scent, which I feel comfortable using even in spring because it's technically floral. Um, But yeah, we're just burning through the rest of that candle this evening, and it was the perfect uh, Bath and Body Works scent. Shout out to all of our listeners, both loyal and new. We appreciate you coming back each week to hear our Hallmark Chitter Chatter. Next week, we will be continuing in the Loveuary vein with much higher hopes that it can't really go down from here, probably. And so, until then, cheers!